Yo, happy Father's Day, everybody. It's your host, Andrew Carroll. Welcome to the Ashe All Day podcast, a very special episode where we are going to be diving in to Father's Day. What is it to be a father? Maybe you're a single dad. Maybe you're still a full family unit. What does that really mean? What are some of the struggles that single fathers face, right? Look, it's me, your host, Andrew Carroll. And today's, a, today's Father's Day. So first and foremost, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. You are incredibly important to the overall well-being of our society. Whether you are with your kids every moment of every day, or whether you get visitation or maybe you don't even get to see them. What you do in your life as a father, as a man, still matters. And it matters in a huge way. This is a really important subject to me. This is a really important topic to me. And here's why. A lot of people don't know this, but I have children. I am a father. Yes, I am. Surprise. That's a part of my life that I keep really private. It's a painful box to open and to look inside of. Uh, All of my children are from previous marriages, and I love them each with all of my heart. They're absolutely amazing kids. They're doing incredible things. Uh just absolutely incredible. And I like to keep them out of this kind of conversation and topic. I try to keep that part of my life a little more private. That's for me, you know, but today I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to share some of the struggles that I've had as a divorcee, uh, some of the struggles that I've had in the legal system and how that has played out in my life and what are the, what, are the ways that I have found to overcome or integrate some of those challenges that more and more continue to come up in conversations that I have with other men who are in similar positions as me. So uh, we'll start off. I have three, three children. My son just turned 17. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yep. 17 year old son. And I have two daughters And I don't get to see them very often. And the way that things are right now, uh, my youngest daughters do not want to talk to me. They don't want to see me. And that's heartbreaking. It hurts. The last exchange I had with them was directly between us. And it was very clear that there were some other conversations happening in their lives that directly violate some of the guidelines that are provided in the court system. You know, if you're familiar with divorce, if you're familiar with parenting plans, you know that you have a responsibility to never speak ill of the other parent. You have a responsibility to facilitate that relationship between the child and their other parent, that there are certain things that you are required to do in by the court to ensure that those children have a relationship with their father or with the other parent, whatever that might look like. Now, there are some situations where that's not the case. Maybe 
the other parent is abusive or there is danger or harm to the child. But in this specific situation, in my specific situation, I am not a danger to my children. I love them with all my heart. I do everything that I can to take care of them. And I do try to be an active participant in their lives. Having said that, when my children have made the decision that they don't want to talk to me, I choose to respect their boundaries. I leave the door open. I leave that conversation with, I love you no matter what, whatever you're going through, it's okay. And I'm right here when you're ready to engage with me. Nothing will change. There's nothing that you can do that will ever cause me to stop loving you with all my heart, no matter how much this hurts. It's okay. Do what you need to do. There are people in my life who tell me, Andrew, just grab your parenting plan and go get your kids and do this and do that. And no one can stop you from having them during your time. But my response to that is what kind of damage would I be doing to those children, to my children, if I did show up and say, you're coming with me, it's my time to have you, whether you like it or not. That does not seem like it's in the best interest of the children. And that is my priority. I kind of look at it this way. If I were in a relationship with somebody and they wanted to break up with me and I continue to try to go back and I try to, you know, just bulldoze their boundaries to force them into my life, that's not healthy. And what does that teach them? What would that be teaching my kids is that if they clearly express like, I don't want anything to do with you right now. And I continue to try to push that line. It's just absolutely disrespectful. It treats them as though they have no agency. Agency. It doesn't respect who they are as people. Whether or not I believe that the situation is right, I have a responsibility in loving and respecting them that when they express their needs to me, to create a space wherein they understand that I love them, that there's always space for them in my lives and that I am here as soon as they want to come back or as soon as they want to open the door and be with me. So that's the situation that I'm in. And when I was financially more abundant and living overseas, I did everything I could to pay for their stuff or to offer to fly them out and to just provide them this experience of like, living in Europe and doing all kinds of things. And there is nobody on the planet who can even come close to making an argument that's, that's not in the best interest of the children. To be able to provide children an opportunity to live outside of the United States for an extended period of time in a safe environment where there is travel and culture and exposure and opportunity and experience, you cannot make the argument that that is not in the best interest of the child. You can't do it. It can't be done. When that was happening, the relationship was such that they were not allowed to come and visit. Even so far as there were statements made that, oh, he'll try to kidnap them or he won't bring them back or this and that and the other. And I worked for the Air Force at the time as a civilian, had a government job at a very high level, um, you know, 
I'm hitting all these marks in life that show that I'm responsible and reliable and able to care for myself and these kids. And still at every step of the way, my, my hands are getting chopped off in the court. Um, just by the, by, by the other parent in ways that I don't understand. I don't fully understand and I don't have to understand but what I've learned in sharing this story with other men and other, other fathers specifically is that the, I'm not the only one that this is happening to. I want to just like let that sink in. I'm a father who desires deeply to spend time with his children. They are not easily accessible to me at all. The other parent does not facilitate our relationship When we show up to uh, a hearing or a, or a court date to redo a parenting plan or this and that, I show up with integrity. I'm honest. I am clear about everything. I don't try to disparage the their mother. Even last, I'll be totally honest. I I openly wept in court last time because all of the things that she had submitted uh, as evidence or in her affidavit, whatever it's called, against me were uh, HIPAA violations. She had accessed medical records that she wasn't allowed to, and all, all of it had been submitted. All this craziness, just absolutely crazy. And I just said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm not, I'm not participating in this mudslinging. Like, we're both good parents. There is no reason that it should come down to this. And... I had shown up with a plan to be aggressive and to be combative and to like make statements and rebut. And that's not what's important. It's not what's important. What's important is the time with the kids and being able to help shape them into incredible young women. And they're just, they're missing out on so much. They have a great life and I'm not discounting that. And I'm not, I, I struggle to sit here and say that they have a good mom. I mean, everybody's doing the best that they can, right? Myself included. And it's very difficult because that's dualistic, right? To say that she's good or bad, that's a dualistic mindset. The truth of it is, is that she's doing her best and I can't project any further than that. Anything outside of that is just speculation and assumption. And that's not healthy or useful. What I can do is comment on the way that the interactions go. And the way that it feels to me is that there are still unresolved issues from our relationship and a lack of forgiveness that impedes her ability to engage with me. Because, and I'll, I, I will own this right here, right now. I was a terrible husband. I cheated on her. I lied all the time. I was disengaged. I was dissociated. Uh, I was not a good husband. But relationships take two people. I will own everything that I did in that relationship. And I forgive her completely for everything that I experienced with her in that relationship. What it comes down to is that all of the issues in that relationship, I'm 100% responsible for what I contributed. 
I am 100% responsible for me and how I showed up. What she did, that's up to her. That's on her. All that stuff. But I allowed myself to be treated that way in relationship with someone else. And that's not her fault. That's not her problem. None of that stuff is. But to continue to carry that on and into this space now, it is negatively impacting my relationship with my daughters. And that is something I, I can't reconcile. I don't understand. I don't know how to do that. And so when I do seek the assistance of an attorney, uh, it comes down that almost every attorney has told me the same thing. Like, yeah, we see it in court where someone gets caught lying on the stand and nothing will happen. Uh, a, a friend of mine is an attorney and he told me the first time that he would, he saw that in court, he, he was like, Oh yeah, gotcha. There it is waiting for like <laughs> waiting for this person to get arrested and like all the stuff that we think, right. When we think about, Oh, so-and-so got caught lying on the stand, they're going to go to jail. Not so much really just like straight up bypassed it, just walked right by it. So how many times are you going to put your hand on a hot stove before you learn your lesson? I can be a little thick headed and stubborn. So I've put my hand on a hot stove a few times in court, trying to get more time with my daughters, trying to get more equity in the relationship, trying to just get something, some support from the system that is supposed to be there protecting the best interests of the children. And my original parenting plan started out 50, 50 time, like all this stuff. It was pretty good. Every single time I've gone back to that well to draw water and a new parenting plan, less and less and less. Yeah, less and less and less time. Less and less and less contact, less influence. And so this is one of the biggest pain points in my life. It truly is. It's one of the biggest pain points in my life. And so when someone says, you just got to keep going, how much more is there before they take everything away from me? And now my kids have this skewed view of like, I don't love them and I'm unavailable. They don't take my calls. They're, the other parent doesn't facilitate that relationship the court doesn't seem to be willing to support my relationship with them so what can you do right that's heavy stuff on father's day but it's the truth of it it's the truth of it so what can you do well you're going to lean into non-duality what is non-duality Really, it is the exercise, practice, and belief that we are one with everything and that everything is a part of life. It's not good or bad. This is the way that life is right now. And I accept that with radical acceptance, with effortless truth. And I will keep moving forward and building everything that I can. Uh, right now, as it stands, unless something changes drastically, and nobody knows this, but college covered. Yep. That's handled. Uh, 
You know, they, my, my kids will have assets when I die there. I have been building an empire for them and I have been building things for them that I didn't have access to as a kid. And no one is, I don't, I'm not quite sure, but I don't think there's much in the, in the Carroll family vault that will be passed on to me. So I am actively out here building and creating a world and a, and a legacy for my children that they don't even know about, but I do. And so when this stuff comes up and people are slinging mud at me, I am that grounded, resolute lightning rod that takes it all and is immovable. You will not shake me. Yes, it hurts. That's fine. So what? I'm building and creating and doing and growing and healing and integrating and improving. And I'm living a life that does fulfill me. And when my children make the decision to come back, to be with their dad, to see their dad, to reestablish relationship with me, I will be more than ready. I will be more than ready at any time, at any place that they decide that that's what they would like. So what are you doing right now? I ask you. How do you handle these situations? I know for me, there were times when I would turn to alcohol or other relationships or sex and drugs, party, the party lifestyle, right? It's not even the, oh, well, the societal definition of an alcoholic is so, the bar is so low. I don't even know what the statistic would be. Um, We could make something up, but I'm not even going to suppose to do that. A lot of people by definition are alcoholics, but we would never call them that. You know, a lot of people are recreational drug users. The amount of people who offer me cocaine is amazing. (laughs) I've never touched the stuff, but you walk into a bathroom totally sober out at karaoke or something and just like, hey, you want a bump? No, I'm so good right now, but I appreciate it and support your right to do that if that's what you choose. I care about you and it's going to be okay, right? It's so, there's just, there's so many distracting and dissociative coping strategies that really put it out there on the table that these are the issues, don't look at them right now. These are the problems or the feelings, don't feel that right now. And what happens when you do that is you're bypassing it you're ignoring it. It's going to kill you. It's truly going to, I mean, it'll give you cancer, Alzheimer's, uh, fibromyalgia, all of these, all these stagnant and trapped emotions based on trauma and, and feelings and, and pain, guilt and shame will physically manifest in the body as illness and disease. And the more that you drink and the more that you dissociate and the more that you medicate and the more that you put yourself to sleep, the bigger work it is to come back to life. It is doable. We can all do it. And so here's what it looks like when you do that. 
It can be a process. It can be a decision. For me, I flipped a switch and creator came in, blessed me, took so much stuff off of my heart. And I don't, I don't want to drink. I don't want to be, I don't want to put chemicals in my body. Just even in the last couple of weeks, I have transitioned into an almost totally plant-based diet. I had meat the other day and it was disgusting. It's so weird. I grew up on a ranch in Montana. I would feed the cows that I would eat later in the year to fatten them up. And now I'm, it's like a completely new person. A completely new soul is inhabiting my body. An entirely new spirit is inhabiting my body. And I just continue to honor that voice that was little, that came up on February 12th and said, Andrew, you're, you're done with all this stuff. And instead of pushing that away, instead of pushing that voice away, I embraced it. And I said, come here. This is you're what I need right now. I need to be present and I need to feel everything. And I need non-duality and purpose and gratitude. Let's do that. Let's do that. And so for over 125 days now, I've been totally sober and free from porn, masturbation, alcohol, tobacco, any kind of drugs. And even longer than that, in some cases, the 20, the 12th of February is when I started counting uh, days that I would not drink because I, I, I had my last drink the night before on the 11th and then passed out, got up the next day and I was done. I was done with all that. So here we are today and the blessings and the abilities and the gifts, man, I'm telling you, they just, they start coming in as you lean into that faith and you lean into all the beautiful things that are possible for you in your life and what you're meant to do. It is a process of discovery. It is a process of trying. It is a process of play. And that beautiful family is the Ashe all day way. And so as you are feeling these things and they're coming up, just know that there is a different path and there's plenty that you can do no matter what is going on. It's where you can be taking care of your kids even if the entire world seems like it's setting you up to be isolated from them. You can still create and build. You are a creator. You are a divine being. And you can make the life that you want that supports them, that absolutely supports them. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andrew Carroll. Happy Father's Day. I love you, family.